It's time for Shattered Soulstone. Featuring the latest news from Sanctuary and beyond. Each episode, a heroic party of Nephilim band together to help keep you informed on everything in the Diablo universe. And now, your Diablo Community Podcast. Coming to you from somewhere in Sanctuary, this is episode 420 of Shattered Soulstone, your Diablo community podcast. This episode is called Blunt End to the Merger. It is July 23rd, 2023, and this is Jen. I want to start off by apologizing for having this show be late. My husband Sean and I went to the Mid-State Fair in California to see the Sammy Hagar concert, and there was plenty of uh, smoke in the air at the time, and um, we had a good time. It was fun. It was a lot of people that probably, like, there was a ton of people walking around the fair with shirts that had something to do with Sammy Hagar and all this kind of stuff. Their opening act is um, one that seems to be really new, but sounds good. They are called Jet Black Roses. They're kind of neat. They have one video on YouTube if you want to check them out. And then when we got back, we were really tired, so I didn't really have time to put a whole lot of this stuff together, but here we go. So I'm going to start with the merger, the merger that's been going on for so long and finally appears to be set. So here's little pieces from news articles about that. So The Hill wrote on the 14th. Yes, I know it's a bit back, but anyway. uh, Appeals court denies FTC bid to temporarily halt Microsoft Activision deal. Here's a little bit of that. The merger between Microsoft and gaming giant Activision Blizzard is likely to move forward after an appeals court denied an attempt by the Federal Trade Commission, FTC, to stop it on Friday. The FTC argued that the $68.7 billion deal would harm competition in the gaming market, giving Microsoft, owners of the Xbox console system, complete control over popular video game franchises such as Call of Duty, World of Warcraft, and Overwatch. Microsoft is likely to pull those popular titles from rival PlayStation systems, the FTC claimed, making them only available on Xbox. Microsoft has denied those claims. The acquisition is still being challenged by the United Kingdom's Trade Authority. Skipping ahead here, uh, the deal has a July 18 deadline, and I know they pushed that up. I don't have an article for it in front of me right now, but I know they pushed that up a bit so that could resolve sometime soon but right now i'm just focusing on you know the ftc thing uh i guess so there we are everything i talk about on this episode of shattered soulstone and any other will be in the show notes at shatteredsoulstone.com so if you miss something or want to read the whole article you can the wall street journal has an article titled uh, also on july 14 ftc loses latest bid to halt microsoft activision merger so here we have in a brief order the ninth circuit court of appeals rejected the ftc's request for a court order that would have blocked microsoft and activision from merging while the agency appeals a july 11 decision by a trial court judge. Friday's order helps clear the way for Microsoft and Activision to close the merger and puts pressure on the FTC to drop its appeal of the July 11 ruling. In the July decision, U.S. District Judge Jacqueline Scott Corley said the agency hadn't shown that Microsoft's ownership of Activision titles, including the hit shooter game series Call of Duty, would hurt competition in the console or cloud gaming markets. The FTC declined to comment to the Wall Street Journal because typically 
people that lose don't really want to talk about their loss, so that's probably what happened there. CNBC on July 19th wrote, Microsoft and Activision agree to extend $69 billion deal deadline in wait for UK approval. So that's part of what this is. Um, let's see. So Microsoft and Activision Blizzard on Wednesday agreed to extend the deadline for their merger agreement until October 18. Activision said in a statement Wednesday, I'll give you some of that statement real soon. The two companies had originally agreed to complete the transaction by July 18, but regulatory pushback from the U.S. and the U.K. delayed the takeover. If Microsoft had not extended the deal deadline, the company would have been on the hook for a $3 billion breakup fee to Activision Blizzard. By extending the period for the companies to close their transaction, Microsoft and Activision are giving themselves more time to satisfy regulators' concerns and to get it over the line. A new agreement between Microsoft and Activision struck on July 18 included a provision to bump up the termination fee by increments at certain periods if the merger is not cleared by the new deadline. By August 29, the breakup fee will be increased to $3.5 billion if the transaction is terminated by the parties, while by September 15, the potential breakup fee will rise to $4.5 billion. The Activision board also agreed a $0.99 per share dividend. The UK regulator is also trying to work with um, Microsoft, and so I'll read you a little bit about that. The extension was made. This might be what it was. Maybe this is just the UK. I'm not sure. But this is what the UK is doing or has done. The extension was made as the UK Competition and Markets Authority moved to delay its review of the deal until August 29. Microsoft and Activision are now giving themselves enough time for the CMA to appraisal, CMA appraisal to finalize. The CMA had initially blocked the transaction in May. We kind of know this. And then it changed its tack and paused all litigation after the US Federal Trade Commission's attempt to block the deal failed in court. The regulator will now need to open a fresh review into the deal based on its past work. While this could ordinarily take several months, the watchdog is looking to expedite the process to meet its own August 29 deadline. Engadget wrote, FTC puts internal trial over Microsoft Activision deal on hold. Written by Chris Holtz. I haven't been telling you the names of everybody, but this will do for now. A lot of this is being pulled from different news articles. So if you want to read that one and you like Engadget, I think it's a cool site. Um, and you can... You can check that out, but basically there is a quote in here from somebody, um, from the judge that, okay, this from uh, Judge Jacqueline Scott Corley. Yeah, I think this is just like an overview if you haven't been following any of these things, but it's in there if you want to read it. It's Ed and Gadget does good work too. Congressman Kelly Armstrong, a Republican from North Dakota, led 21 colleagues, including Judiciary Committee Chairman Jim Jordan, Republican from Ohio, and Oversight and Accountability Committee Chairman James Comer, Republican from Kentucky, in a letter to the Federal Trade Center on July 18, calling for it to drop the illegitimate antitrust case against Microsoft and to return to its long history of a sensible consumer-oriented antitrust enforcement. Now, this is fascinating to me, so I'm kind of surprised to hear you know, I think it's three lawmakers that are all Republicans who all agree on something. And the agreement is that the Federal Trade Commission is basically screwing things up and should stop doing that. I did not expect that outcome from this particular group of people. But here we are. I will give you a quote from Congressman Armstrong because it is the first one listed in this press release kind of thing. 
Uh, this is what Congressman Armstrong wrote. The FTC should pursue antitrust policy that is pro-consumer and promotes innovation, not weaponize ideological pursuits, said Congressman Armstrong. Quote, the FTC's recent turn away from longstanding practices risks shifting growth and hurting consumer welfare. Its budget has swelled and all there is to show is a mounting list of court losses. The FTC should stop its anti-American policies that jeopardize the health of our economy and threaten to increase costs to consumers. There's more to it than that. And there's a little background effect for people that... Uh, haven't been following along for whatever reason. There's also a link to the full letter and not just quotes from this. So if you're into that, that's cool. Never expected the Republicans to be like, yeah, FTC, this blows. Don't do this anymore. You know, I mean, it's just I wasn't expecting that at all. There's another article from The Hill from July 18, and it's titled Kagan Rejects Emergency Request to Block Microsoft Activision Blizzard Merger, written by Zach Schoenfeld. I'm not really good about pulling names today for these articles because I'm still tired from the fair. So we'll just have to deal with it. So Supreme Court Justice Elena Kagan Tuesday rejected an emergency request to block Microsoft and Activision Blizzard from merging. In a brief order, Kagan denied the last minute bid from a group of gamers. Who temporarily uh, to temporarily halt the $68.7 billion deal. The gamer's attorney, Joseph Aloto, argued that the deal would lessen competition in the video game industry, urging the high court for a pause until the gamer's case could be heard in the Ninth U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals. You know, the one that didn't want to take Microsoft's case, or I'm sorry, uh, FTC's case, I think. I think that's what, who, what it was at the start of this. Uh, Kagan received their motion because she is assigned to handle emergency requests arising out of the Ninth Circuit. The gamers could now renew their request to any other justice. So how this works with the Supreme Court justices is they all kind of have, I'm going to say a district that's not quite the right word, but if you have something that you want to send to the Supreme Court, a court case, whatever that may be, maybe you've gone up to the point where you've, you've lost your case in every court previous and you want to get the Supreme Court to take a look at it, there is a specific judge that will be assigned pretty much permanently to whatever you know region or district or whatever you're in. And that judge has the ability, whoever they are on the court, whichever one they are, they have the ability to say, no, I don't really want to take that case uh, denied. Or they can say, well, maybe they have something there and we should look at it. You know, and in this case, they denied it. The gamers sued over the merger in December of last year under federal antitrust law, alleging the deal might substantially lessen competition across numerous video game markets. Uh, a, vict a federal district court handed a victory to Microsoft in May, denying the gamers' bid for a preliminary injunction by ruling they were not threatened with irreparable harm. The gamers then appealed last month, which remains pending. So there's that. That's bizarre. I, you know, I figured like if this was going to be a fight here, I knew the FTC was going to try to fight. They don't seem to have much fight in them compared to who they have to prove it to, like judges and things like that. I did not expect a group of gamers. I expected maybe Sony would want to fight, you know, and, and be like, no, we don't want you to win uh, Microsoft, you know, that kind of thing. That didn't happen. This is a group of gamers who are unnamed in this article, and it boggles my mind that they went this far with this case because it just seems kind of like everything's pretty much done, so too bad, so sad. And I told you I'd get back to Activision Blizzard uh, press release. I won't read you the whole thing, but I will read you a quote. 
Um, this one's titled Activision Blizzard announces second quarter 2023 financial results. There's some details in there, but here's the key part to this one right at the top. Quote, this quarter, our talented teams delivered strong performance for our players and shareholders. We delivered a 50% year-over-year increase in net bookings, operating income growth over 70%, earnings per share growth over 80%, and a record quarter for Blizzard with over $1 billion in net bookings for the first time, said Bobby Kotick, CEO of Activision Blizzard. Most importantly, we continue to set new standards of excellence for workplace culture and provide joy and connection to hundreds of millions of players around the world while we continue to have concerns about the economy and growing industry competition we remain focused on the long-term opportunities ahead and completing our merger with microsoft this was posted on july 19 and then there's a whole bunch of number type stuff all the way through here if you want to take a look at that you can the verge has an article titled sony agrees to 10-year call of duty deal with microsoft this is from um, july 16 so this is probably slightly old news but there are some interesting quotes in here ones from phil spencer we are pleased to announce that microsoft and at playstation these are tweets by the way that have been embedded into the verge article have signed a binding agreement to keep Call of Duty on PlayStation following the acquisition of Activision Blizzard. We look forward to a future where players globally have more choice to play their favorite games. And then Brad Smith um, said, From day one of this acquisition, we've been committed to addressing the concerns of regulators, platform, and game developers and consumers. Even after we cross the finish line for this deal's approval, we will remain focused on ensuring that Call of Duty remains available on, and I have to go to Twitter to get the rest of this, um, on more platforms and for more consumers than ever before. So that's that's probably all I need from The Verge right now. IGN posted an article that says Xbox has signed a, quote, binding agreement, end quote, to keep Call of Duty on PlayStation after its acquisition of Activision Blizzard. The deal has been confirmed to last for 10 years and is only for Call of Duty. This is written by Adam Bankhurst. There's an update in this. The deal between Microsoft and Sony to keep Call of Duty on PlayStation has been confirmed to last for 10 years. So as reported by The Verge, Carrie Perez, head of global communications at Xbox, shared the deal uh, is also just for Call of Duty and not any other Activision Blizzard game. The proposal initially included, quote, all existing Activision console titles on Sony, including future versions in the Call of Duty franchise or any other current Activision franchise on Sony through December 31st, 2027, but that appears changed. So here's a little bit of stuff that changed. I've got the same quotes pulled from Twitter in here. That's a thing. So Sony will get Call of Duty, and uh, if Activision Blizzard, or it's I guess it's Activision that makes that game, but they're kind of you know connected. You get what I'm talking about. If they make another Call of Duty with some other gimmick in it or something that sounds fun or whatever, um, for 10 years, Sony will have whatever that thing turns out to be if there's a new one made or if there's more than one new one made in 10 years, who knows what you can do, right? So the whole thing Sony was doing early on that was like, well, if Microsoft wins this merger and gets to do it, What's stopping them from giving Sony a, a, a game that has intentionally been broken? That was kind of the concept that Sony had. So that's probably over, you know? Um, and then we have this from The Verge, speaking of Call of Duty. Thousands of Call of Duty fans are playing classic Xbox 360 titles thanks to a server fix. This is written by Tim Ireland, and it was posted on July 18. 
Activision has fixed matchmaking server issues in some older Call of Duty titles for the Xbox 360. Players have been complaining about matchmaking issues in classics like Call of Duty Black Ops and the original Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2 over the past few years as they haven't been able to get into lobbies for multiplayer modes. Now that the servers are back and working, the player count in Call of Duty Black Ops, which uh, parentheses, which might not be totally accurate, end of parentheses, stands at more than 100,000 people. That doesn't mean thousands of Xbox 360 consoles are suddenly being powered on. It's all possible thanks to Microsoft's backward compatibility support on Xbox, allowing Xbox One and Xbox Series S slash X owners to play these classic Call of Duty games. All you have to do is put in your old disc or even install a digital copy of the game, and all your Xbox 360 progress from more than a decade ago will have been preserved, including your Call of Duty prestige ranks. That's kind of cool. That's kind of neat. So I think um, people that were playing, you know, one of the older Xbox 360 or whatever, uh, back in the day, and, you know, they can get back into it. I'm sure there's a nostalgia effect going on with that, especially since you don't really lose whatever you earned when you played the game however long ago. But I think that's kind of cool that Microsoft can do that, you know? And um, speaking of Microsoft, they have posted a Xbox Wire on xbox.com website, and it's obviously Microsoft Xbox. If you don't know, those are the same company. So, um, yeah, so they introduced something called Xbox Game Pass Core coming this September, and it does make some changes. I play on an Xbox, so I definitely read this article all the way through to kind of understand it, but I'll just give you a little bit of it now if it's relevant to you, if you're playing on an Xbox. So this was posted on July 17, and it says, Today we're continuing our commitment to give players more choice and value by introducing Xbox Game Pass Core, launching on September 14. Game Pass Core is the evolution of Xbox Live Gold. Game Pass Core will give players access to our advanced multiplayer network, a select collection of over 25 games to play with friends around the world, and exclusive member deals, all for $9.99 USD per month or $59.99 USD per year. For over 20 years, Xbox players have been connecting via Xbox Live to compete, cooperate, and experience the world's biggest online multiplayer games. In 2017, we introduced Xbox Game Pass, which provided a curated library of games. Game Pass Core brings online play together with Game Pass in a new offering for gamers around the world. With this evolution, we're saying farewell to games with gold. We wanted to use this opportunity to reimagine how to to include content with this subscription. We found that the answer to the most compelling catalog was to leverage select titles from our Xbox Game Pass catalog. Our launch collection of more than 25 titles from Xbox Game Studios, Bethesda, and our content partners will offer something for everyone to play on their Xbox Series X S and Xbox One consoles. Today we're confirming the following titles for launch. There's an asterisk after that for some reason, with more to be announced in advance of September 14. New titles will be added two or three times a year. Here's the ones you can get. Among Us, Descenders, Dishonored 2, Doom Eternal, Fable Anniversary, Fallout 4, Fallout 76, Forza Horizon 4, Gears 5, Grounded, Halo 5 Guardians, Halo Wars 2, Hellblade, Senua's Sacrifice, if I'm saying that right, Human Fall Flat, I have no idea what that is, something just called Inside, 
Ori and the Will of the Wisps, Psychonauts 2, State of Decay 2, and The Elder Scrolls Online, Tamaril Unlimited. The asterisk says game library may vary over time and by country. Now, if you want a Game Pass thing going on here, here are your options. The core one is $9.99 a month. You get online console or console multiplayer, catalog of 25 games, uh, member deals and discounts. The um, console one, so that's the core one, just that little bit. If you do the console one, you get hundreds of high-quality games on console, new games on day one, members deals and discounts. If you're on the PC, it is also $9.99 per month, and it gives you more than the core one if you're just playing on the regular Xbox thing and not the console plan. So for PCs, it's hundreds of high-quality games on PC, like the console one is. New games on day one, member deals and, and discounts, and an EA Play membership. And then if you want the ultimate, it is $16.99 a month. Um, and the special stuff is there. It says members, deals, discounts, and perks, online console, multiplayer, and EA Play membership. So if you have Xbox Live Gold, it's going away on September 14. Uh, live, uh, Xbox Live Gold members will automatically become Game Pass core members with no change in pricing and have immediate access to a new library of over 25 high-quality games. And then there's more in here. So it sounds like they're just shifting things up a bit, which a lot of companies do whenever they feel like it. And as far as the merger, outside of you know the people that are in charge of Xbox or Sony or whatever... Riker wrote something that I thought was pretty good on Twitter. I'm going to read you just a tiny bit of his argument, and I think it's a good one. This was written on July 11th. He wrote this, Okay, since people need specifics about my take on the Microsoft acquisition of Activision Blizzard, here's a thread. I make four major points. One, good for Blizz. Two, good for Blizz employees. Three, good for Blizz fans. Four, bad for the video game industry. And he wants to start with number one. I'll give you a tiny piece of this, and you can pick it up in the show notes later. Uh, he wrote, Blizz has not thrived under Activision. In recent years, Activision has forced increasing cost-cutting measures and revenue demands upon Blizz, which has driven many talented senior professionals out of the company, the people who made Blizzard Blizzard. Activision's bl business model is to maximize profits seemingly at all costs, this means an RTS title like StarCraft II or WarCraft IV will never be greenlit under current leadership. There's not enough money in the RTS genre. Microsoft, however, has a different business model. Microsoft is all about market dom dominance. They don't mind making less profit on a smaller title as long as you are either playing a Microsoft game or playing it on a Microsoft device slash service slash platform. Their ideal is a customer existing within an entire Microsoft ecosystem. So this is good for Blizz and its employees because Microsoft will greenlight smaller passion projects that are not protected projected to be monetization machines. We'll likely see fewer layoffs in support positions that are no that are not directly driving revenue, less pressure on the devs to make money. This is good for Blizz fans because happier devs can focus on making good games rather than making money means better games for us. Also, StarCraft 2 is a real possibility under Microsoft because Microsoft has already invested in RTS titles. So why is this bad for the industry? And he goes on from there a little bit. Yeah, this, this merger is definitely good for Blizzard. It's very good for Blizzard employees. It's very good for Blizzard fans who, you know, if you play on the Xbox, you're probably going to get a lot of stuff. Um, but the video game industry in general, he doesn't think that's good for. Why is this bad for the industry? And just, you know, it's 
big company takes all kind of thing to roughly vaguely summarize this, but I do think he had some good points. So I decided to share them here with all of you. Actually, Arcane has been featured on the Blizzard launcher for the start of Diablo 4 Season 1. I don't know how long she'll last on there. In the past, you get like maybe a week. So, or at least Shattered Soulstone did way back in the day when they started doing those things. She's really cool, and um, she posts a lot of Diablo stuff on Twitter. Um, although things are happening with Twitter right now that I'm not even going to go into and who knows how the changes will roll out. But she seems like a really cool gamer, really chill. I've seen some of her little clips where something really sad is happening in Diablo 4 and she gets like all emotional and she just seems like such a cool person. So she's uh, if you're playing on a PC, you might see her face on the Blizzard launcher. Should be kind of fun. I think everybody gets excited when the Blizzard launcher. Mike Ibarra, who is the president of Blizzard Entertainment, wrote this. Hashtag BlizzCon is an incredible celebration. Not of Blizzard. Not of the games we, cre we create. But of the friendships that drive the community we share and the epic memories we create together in these amazing worlds. 35,000 people come to the event in person and over 30 million plus watch online. I hope you'll... You'll, you join in person or virtually to celebrate the best gaming community. And that's what he wrote. He's the president of Blizzard. It seems appropriate for him to be the one posting that kind of stuff. In case you're wondering or missed a show episode or whatever, no, I'm not going to be at BlizzCon. Um, I feel like as a very immune compromised person, I don't think it's going to be safe for me to walk around in there. And when they talked about arena seating where you're all like squished together and maybe can't leave and have to watch whatever that is there that's going to be terrifying to me because I'll probably catch something even if I wear a mask and take medications that sort of help my immune system kind of I just I can't do it I just can't do it I made it through the fair because it's outdoors and it's a little bit easier and I could maneuver around people to some degree the concert we were in we thought would be packed but it wasn't so there was like room to breathe so to speak and so that was okay but I just I am not sure what con crud would do to me this time around I've been to other BlizzCons. I don't need to go to all of them. So you won't find me there, but I'll try to catch up on the news as it hits. Rod Ferguson wrote a thing about Diablo Immortal, wrote, quick Diablo Immortal update, current event with up to 800% XP boost to catch up is crazy. He says, I did 16 bounties last night and gained seven Paragon levels. So some people are still playing the game. I I do like the game. I want to try the Blood Knight. I haven't had a chance to get there yet. Icy Pains has this really funny article. It's titled, Butcher Decides to Wait for Season 1 to Start Instead of Fighting. And there's a short a uh, little YouTube video here from Reddit user Im Impassable, I-M-P-A-5-5-I-S-B-L-E. And he started fighting the Butcher that, as you know, if you've played the game, if you're in a dungeon, the Butcher can come and get you. I had one of, I had my character, who is like a, not a hardcore character, die to the Butcher. And I was just laughing my ass off because I'm like, of course, my gear is all broken at this point. I don't have the gold to to fix any of it it keeps getting broken again if i fix it so i kind of gave up on that and just tried what i could do and uh, the butcher came out of nowhere to kill me and i'm like you know fine and i tried it and i'm like god i'm like half a bar down and he killed me and i was just laughing my ass off because i'm like of course this is going to happen now you know but there is a video embedded in the icy veins article that i'm talking about 
And yeah, um, it's like the butcher just stops and the person, uh, impo impassable, titled that butcher had enough. And you can see the butcher standing there sort of running away from his character, which looks to be a barbarian from what I can tell. And there's just like a little, not even half a health bar left on the butcher. And it's like the butcher decided to run. And that's something I didn't even think could happen in the game. As we all know, Season of the Malignant is now live. I cannot get in. Why can't I not get in? Because you have to finish the entire storyline before you can get into Season 1. Yeah, um, had I have known that earlier on, I might have had the opportunity to get through some more of the season. But instead, I'm just like, you know, running around Sanctuary trying to figure out where I need to go to get a mount because I'm getting overrun by monsters every time I leave a town. And I know I've seen a lot of people with the mounts and they go flying by me and I'm like, okay, well, it's cool you got a mount, but that means more of these monsters are just gonna come to get me because I may be the only one that doesn't have a mount yet, right? Maybe, I don't know, but it's just kind of this pattern I'm stuck in right now. And it's, I didn't watch the campfire about them trying to fix Diablo 4. In short, I have seen other people's takes on it. I think Rex Anthorax has a video that I don't have in this episode, but you can find it. He, it was on Twitter and it was on probably on YouTube as well. He's pretty smart. So I think he broke down like what, what was going on in there that was good, that what wasn't, that the, the, the devs seem to be aware that the game is just isn't fun, that people are not finding it fun after like all of the nerfs and all of the different changes like that. So they're reportedly going to try to make some changes to make the game fun again. So I did attempt to make a seasonal character. I did this with an Xbox controller that was borked beyond belief. Um, I have a bunch of videos that I have recorded of my gameplay, but a lot of it is not gonna go up because it's just, me fighting the controller instead of me fighting the monsters and you know so i have i that slowed me down quite a bit as well um i've got a different controller now that works like a dream so that's that's going to be fine but yeah i'm just like okay but i did make a seasonal character and when i went to get in it started that seasonal character at the very start where you're like in a cave you know you remember that when you started playing the game right everybody had to do that and i was just so disheartened about it because if that's a word because you know, I was hearing all the things about, hey, make a brand new character. You can't put one of your current characters into the season, but you can make a brand new character and all your renown will come with you. Or most of it, or some of it at least. And then it looked like I was supposed to go through the whole entire season again. And I just didn't have the energy for that. You know, that was really disappointing. It felt like either I misunderstood something or, or I don't know what this is. I don't know why you have to go through the whole season just to get into, uh, sorry, the whole storyline just to get into the season. I think that it is penalizing people who do need to play slower for whatever reason. You know, maybe you work a lot and you don't have a lot of time to play. Maybe you have kids and need to like tend to them from time to time. Maybe you have disabilities that make it harder for you to like maneuver. Um, I think Blizzard should have looked into that a little bit harder. I really do, coming from that perspective. I don't have kids, but I, I have disabilities, so there we are. If you haven't seen it yet, there's a post on Blizzard about like the malignant heart types and what they do, and I think I've talked about this before. There's a whole lot of stuff in there. If, you, if you're having trouble in the season, check that out. Um, I know a lot of people are playing the season because I'm on an Xbox, and every time uh, someone that is part of the... Diablo community over on the Discord for Shattered Soulstone. I could see like so and so's name completed this, and I'm like, great, have fun, y'all. I don't think I'm getting in, you know. 
Uh, to try to get a mount is difficult for me because everything I've read just kind of says, okay, start in Kievishad and talk to the stable master and they'll show you a mount and then go all the way to Act 4. So I'm trying to go all the way to Act 4 and I get into Act 4 and I find a couple towns and I'm like, okay, maybe this will work now. So I went to talk to their stable master and it didn't do anything. And I'm like, you know, <laughs> I will be I will be horseless forever. So rather than have me try to summarize all of the campfire chat that went up, I'm going to read you some stuff from Dreadscythe, who's on Max Roll. Dreadscythe gets it right every time. He's very detailed about things. So I will read you some of this. It is a uh, Season 1 campfire chat recap. The Diablo 4 Season 1 campfire chat just took place. The panel consisting of Joe Shelley, Game Director, Joseph Priapora, Associate Game Director, and Adam Fletcher, Associate Director of Community, tackled the, the post-patch 1.1.0 release and feedback from the community. So here's some feedback from the community. The team talked about the pushback to patch 1.1.0. The following topics were discussed. I'll give you some of those. Cooldown reduction CDR is one of the most powerful affixes in the game. The overall reduction was to prevent players from having nearly instantaneous use of skills that otherwise were not intended. While having access to this is really fun, it can be harsh when taken away. The team is looking into it. Nightmare dungeons in general are way overtuned to the role they fill in the game. Tier 100 is excruciatingly difficult is excruciatingly difficult to get up to for most players slash classes. They are overscaled compared to where they wanted them to be. They meaning the devs that were on this campfire chat. Tier 70 is where they actually want them to be. A reduction in difficulty will be coming to bring overall difficulty in line with the team's vision of the system. Tier 100 is a good goal, but new pinnacle content will help make for true high-end content. The sorcerer builds got changed um, in an effort to... Uh, many changes were in an effort to bring back a few builds back in line with the others before, quote, building back up from there. Ultimately doing these changes without taking into consideration how the player feels about them is a pain point the team recognizes. They have heard feedback and have plans to address issues with the class. Vulnerable damage is far more potent affects compared to others. They could just reduce the scale factor, being a separated multiplier in the calculations, but that leaves the overall power just lower. The team recognizes they would need to look at other affexes and adjust them to help compensate and level off the heavy reliance on vulnerable damage while not nerfing overall damage so much. In addition, understand some classes slash builds rely more on that are more so than not on vulnerable damage being the core of the build. With that, they'll be careful to use a scalpel and not a hammer. That's an excellent phrase. They're going to be adding in patch 1.1.1 another stash tab for players. The elixir stack size goes up to 99 and gem changes are still planned for season two. So all those little gems I got stuck in my bag. Welp. <laughs> you know. Uh, respects. I don't do this, so I don't really know what what to do with that but there's going to be um they realize that the uh, mission statement was in conflict with the reality of the game in order to make going from one build to another cost for respecking will be reduced by 40 percent so part of this that dread scythe has written really caught my attention and it's listed as experience gains levels 50 to 100 patch 1.1.1 they want they the devs want the leveling progression from 1 to 100 feel like a journey but not a job. They see a bunch of players stuck in the 50 to 70 level range. Guess where I'm at? 
Yep, just hit the 50 range. Having a hell of a time in the game right now. Their goal with patch 1.1.0 was not to slow the game down, but realize now the overall effect of changes. They are looking to adjust XP rates at World Tier 3 and World Tier 4 milestones to aid players to 100. Further details will be brought to light on next week's campfire. So I'm hoping that'll fix. There's also something about leaderboards coming in Season 3. We don't even have, like, Season 1 just popped out. I'm glad they're still working on things, but I hope it actually works if and when I get there, you know? Um, there's some questions in here that people had for the devs and when to expect patch 1.1.1 with the campfire next Friday, safe to assume a few days after, but no solid date given. Um, addressing crowd control from monsters. The tools you have to handle crowd control from enemies, especially with density increases coming aren't there. They will talk more about it in the near future to bring CC from monsters more in line because that's what's happening to me and the thing that's happening to me that's frustrating me beyond anything else is those little tiny swarms of flies and like you can't really see them coming especially if you're in a mob like you're surrounded by a mob of monsters and those little things get in there and then you've got like this white circle around you that's slowing you down dramatically because those things exist right near you. And you, it's hard to shoot them if you can't really see them and if you're in like a huge mob that just surrounds you. And yeah, I hit 50. I've got some Paragon points. I've been putting it in Dexterity so I can get away from these things kind of, but it's not really working. And all of my gear was broken and I can't seem to get enough gold to fix really anything at all. And the other, the other problem I'm having as I try to go through Act 4 and try to find like where, who do I talk to to get them out? Like... How does this work? I've read a bunch of articles. None of it has given me any details that seem to work for me. So I'm just really frustrated in the game right now. And I can see why a lot of other people are frustrated. I know through several of my videos that I'm going to pick and choose what I'm going to stick on YouTube. Because a lot of it was just me being frustrated and complaining. And if, if the devs pick that up at all, I don't know. I'm recording it in-house, so to speak. So they might be able to see what I'm doing, you know, but not like hear me maybe. But... Yeah, I have a lot of videos where I was trying to sort of puzzle out why the game isn't working and why it's not fun. And I thought maybe they just want to slow down the game. You know, like maybe that was their plan. Maybe they wanted players to go through this slower, but it turns out that's officially not their plan, which I would never have guessed. They got to fix this. They got to fix this quick. Right now, if, if you're like me and you play slower than other people, then, you know, you're not going to get into the season one and be able to experience that because, you know, the patch is coming in a few days, but no specific date. So I'm going to have to slog through this as broken as the game feels to me right now until they do that, you know. Plans to address loot drops and target farming. Uh, Dreadsight writes, they don't want to reduce the quote difficulty of getting items with a perfect range. They have avenues open to them to help improve the progression through the ancestral tier of gear. There are plans in season two to more target farm particular gear slash aspects. And that's another thing. As I'm running through Act 4, like I can, you know, kick over Karns and, you know, break things to see if I can get a health globe. And I am getting some health globes, but not enough. I'm not seeing much gear. When I do see gear, it is like gray gear that isn't going to help you at all. And when you're in a situation where all your gear got broken because you got surrounded by Khazra or something and just they just broke everything and then you go to it, no matter which blacksmith I go to, it's all too high for me to to salvage, like to get anything from it. And 
I'm really, really frustrated with that. I feel like I'm, I feel like the game is taunting me. Like, yeah, all your gears broke here. Have this gray, you know, item that you actually can't use because it's not for your class. You know, that kind of thing is just terrible. Um, Someone wanted to know if campaign bosses will be brought into the dungeon pool. The devs acknowledge they may be underutilized, but they'll see what comes in the future. And then there's just other stuff in here. So it's it's a really good thing. I highly recommend you read this one if you're having trouble in the season. Obviously, I have no idea uh, whether or not people are having trouble in the season because I'm not there and I don't think I'm going to get there. So maybe I'll make season two. Icy Veins has an article titled Diablo 4 Eternal to Season 1 Transition Clarifications. The global community development director, Adam Fletcher, posted several tweets detailing some frequently asked questions about season one. This article was posted on July 15. The tweets focus on just how the completed content on Eternal Realms, both softcore and hardcore, will carry over into the seasonal realms. We also get an answer to the very common question of how different altars of Lilith discovered by different characters will carry over. It turns out they add up. I've got most of them on my rogue. Um, but I think you're supposed to log into your other characters too, so that can go like if and when I actually get enough stuff done to get into the season. So um, here's some information: Eternal Realm equals normal and hardcore characters that are non-season. Season began a couple days ago. Normal characters on the Eternal Realm will have the map slash altar progression carry over to normal characters on the seasonal realm. Uh, stuff with hardcore, which I can't really talk about because I don't play hardcore, um, but it's in there. What hap- but what happens if one character has 10 altars in Skulls Glen and another has 5 in Kegistan? You can log on both after 1.1.0 hits, and you will have 15 collected altars on your seasonal character as it is additive. Completing the whole map slash altars before 1.1.0 will be a nice boost for those that put in the work. And I have been going and collecting those because I just find it fun. I kind of like puzzles in games. And then Icy Vein says this other one, side quest tier list ranking for renown farming in Diablo 4 Season 1, which I can't get into, but it's, um, I'll just put a little bit in here. There is someone named Einstein underscore BR who went through all the side quests in all the zones and made an extremely useful spreadsheet ranking them. After timing each quest out, they then ranked them by speed to clear, which is the most important metric for those looking to get the renown grind over with as soon as possible. They're also ordered by zone and time and even have their rewards listed. So shout out to you, Einstein underscore BR. That's a lot of work. That is not something I would try to do, but I think he's probably helping a lot. He or she, I don't even know, but, um, or they. (laughs) Uh, That person is helping a lot of people to decide where they want to go and what's worth it and what's not with, you know, these kinds of things. So it's at least out there. Wowhead has an article posted five days ago by Varid. I know I'm missing some names this time. Um, I'll do better next show, but this one's called All 32 Malignant Hearts Coming with Diablo 4 Patch 1.1.0. And I think you've probably heard about these already. It does connect to the patch notes, talks about how malignant hearts work. And there's a lot of stuff in here. I'll probably go over it. It is breaking down by class as well. So it tells you like what things are going to happen there. There's a developer's note. Caged hearts cannot be traded between players because we want hearts to feel like an achievement for slaying challenging malignant monsters. However, jewelry containing malignant sockets can be traded to ensure that there are multiple sources for jewelry with malignant sockets that correspond to the caged hearts players have earned. And that's going to be the end of this show. It's been a little wonky here. Um... 
yeah. So that's what I've got. I can't really speak from personal experience about the season because I can't get in yet. I think the next thing I'm supposed to do is kill Elias, and I'm going, really? Okay. So, <laughs> all right. So that's where I'm going to end this show and uh, get back in the game. You have been listening to episode 420 of the Shattered Soulstone, your Diablo community podcast. Missed an episode? You can find the show blog and listen to the show archives at www.shatteredsoulstone.com. Come join us in-game. Our in-game community and clan are mostly in this season right now. Both named Shattered Soulstone is the community and the clan to, and are open to anyone who would like to join. You can also join us on Discord for the ultimate team and community-based experience. Find the Discord invitation link on our Twitter and Facebook page as well as the Shattered Soulstone website. Thank you for listening.